0: You doing? <laughs> I'm going to um, read some scripture from uh, John chapter 1. So maybe you want to close your eyes and just drink in these words. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all he did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God." The words became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray, shall we? Jesus, we thank you for the truth, that you became flesh for us, that you came. At the time of Christmas that we celebrate this time of year, we thank you that you came for us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here now to reveal to us the heart of God. Would you anoint these simple little words of mine to convey a meaning and a truth that we might see something of who you really are, King Jesus. Amen. Cool. Well, the good news is that a lot of the themes that have been said through worship are the things that I was planning to say anyway, which is usually a good sign that we're on uh, pretty safe grounds, but it also... I think means that God is moving, so buckle up because we're going places this morning. Um, So my name's Ollie, and uh, it's a real privilege to be speaking to you. We're going to be talking this morning, as uh, you've already heard, about a bit of a classic Christmas reading, really. I don't know how many times I've heard this reading in various carol services over the years. Plenty, certainly. Um, But as I've been reading this and rereading it over the last couple of weeks, I've just been really struck by the depth of truth in it. Um, And we're going to kind of dive into some of that this morning. See how it starts? In the beginning. In other words, before there was space, before there was stuff in the space, before there was even time, in the beginning was the Word, was Jesus himself. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And it says elsewhere in Scripture that in the beginning, the earth was formless. It didn't have any shape yet. God hadn't started molding it. uh, And it was void. It was empty. There was nothing there yet. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep, deep nothingness. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Spirit was hovering. See, before there was any of this, before the beauty of creation had even started, before there was even time, God existed in perfect relationship. He wasn't lonely. He didn't need somebody to talk to. Right back at the beginning, God was love. God is love. God is Trinity. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Spirit was hovering. He existed in perfect, fulfilling relationship. And when he created, he created through the Word. At the utterance of the Word, let there be light the great eternal nothingness exploded into beautiful, wonderful somethingness. Matter and energy and creativity was birthed in that moment. And in later days, galaxies, stars, planets. And then on this rock around this star in this galaxy, there were sea and land. And then the great bewildering, majestic, beautiful complexity of life began to slither and walk and creep and breathe. And all of that at no more than the utterance of his word. Can you imagine the the authority, the supreme power that can create this vast, unimaginable universe, admittedly just a shadow of his glory, but at no more than just his word. See, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God's, And the word existed in perfect, fulfilling relationship, and he sat in supreme authority. So when God created, we need to understand that he didn't create out of some lack in himself. He didn't create because he needed to. Everything that you see around you was not made out of poverty, but it was created out of absolute abundance. It wasn't created from the loneliness of God, but instead out of an overflow of his love. And out of this overwhelming abundance, God, who had it all, placed us in a garden. He placed us in his house to, to live with him, to know him as father, daddy even. It was a beautiful plan. But but we thought we knew better. We thought we could be more than just his kids. We thought we could go it alone. And so we left the garden we left his house, we left behind the father who we were made to be in relationship with. We broke his rules and we insulted him by destroying his creation and worshiping things that are not God. And it wasn't long before people started to realize the consequences of that. And they were living as children alone in the world, desperately needing a father. When I was six, I ran away from home. Um, It was Boxing Day. And uh, as you can probably imagine, my parents quite enjoy telling this story at pretty well every social gathering that there is. So uh, the origin of the story is a little bit murky, but there was probably some sort of argument. I don't know whether um, I'd been asked to do something I didn't want to do or told that I wasn't allowed something that I wanted, but there was some reason that made me decide to leg it. Um, When I was found, I had a plan. I'd packed a little bag of all the stuff that a six-year-old thinks they need for their life of independence. Heaven only knows what was in that, but anyway, Um, and I was on my way to the station. Uh, I was going to catch a train, and then I knew I had a plan apparently about where I was going to change trains, and I was going to get to the port, and then I was going to hide myself away on a ship, and I was going to go to Africa. I don't know why Africa, but that was my plan. (laughs) See, at the point where I was found, I kind of thought I had it all together. I felt quite independent. I thought it was okay, but I didn't even get past the end of my road. Of course I didn't. My parents knew I'd left. They knew what was going on. They'd followed behind at a safe distance. They were never going to let any harm come to me. But that moment of what I felt was total independence was actually probably the loneliest I've ever been, trying to go it alone as a six-year-old. It's quite a tragic sight, isn't it? Nigel spoke uh, a couple of years ago a couple of weeks ago, sorry, about, uh, (laughs) feels like a couple of years ago, spoke a couple of weeks ago about, uh, from from Isaiah, when Isaiah describes uh, humanity as a people walking in darkness. And when he spoke like that, I didn't need him to explain what that meant. I don't know about you, but I kind of understood what that meant. I got it. Maybe you could pick up a newspaper and read that and you'll understand pretty quickly. But sometimes we don't even need to look outside of ourselves to understand what walking in darkness feels like. We can see it in our own circumstances, in our own life. It is easy to feel alone and lost like a child who needs a parent, like a child who needs a home. And almighty God, remember the one who exists already in perfect relationship, who has everything already. Almighty God, who needs nothing, looked at us in that situation, children needing a parent, and loved us, and decided to act. Not because he had to, not because he needed to, but because he wanted to, because he chose to, because his character is to love. And his plan was outrageous. His plan was to send his own son, the very word. The word became flesh, to become a little baby, the great I am, God himself, God almighty, the word he was there before the beginning of it all took the form of a little baby. To us a child is born, Isaiah said, to us a son is given. And in that son is life, all the life of God squeezed into him and the light in the darkness. But as an illustration of how lost we'd managed to get, The light shone in the darkness, but the darkness didn't receive it. We didn't even understand what God was doing. The sadness is this. There are countless people in this world who are living independently, walking in darkness, the Bible describes it, trying to go it alone, desperately in need of a father, in need of a home, needing to know the surrounding loving arms of the father who made them, and they don't need to live like that. Listen to this, to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's a beautiful truth. It's what Christmas is really about. That's the heart of it, isn't it? The fact that the word became flesh so that we can become children of God. Adoption by the only one who can truly meet your needs. The only one who truly knows you the only one who can wrap his arms around you and be entirely relied upon. Adoption by Almighty God, your Heavenly Father, is freely available to all who believe. So the question this morning is simple. Do you? Are you back in his family where you rightly belong? Or are you still trying to go it alone? There's going to be an opportunity this morning, if you haven't done this, to come home, to come back to him. The Father waits with arms outstretched for you. There'll be a chance for that later on this morning. For many of us, though, we have. We have come home. We've accepted Jesus. We've believed. We've been adopted by him. And as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been saved. And as a consequence, we can call ourselves children. Our sins are forgotten and gone, and we are now rightly children of God. We can walk into his presence freely. We have all the freedoms of his kids. We can enter his house. We can represent him. We can go to him with whatever we need and draw from his limitless resources. And because he's a father who chose us, because he's a father who loves us, he is delighted when we come to him. He loves it when we come to him. So what's been bugging me is, why don't we always? Because I don't know if it's just me, but sometimes I don't. So I'm going to talk about something now that is really quite sad. Um, And believe me, I've ummed over the last few weeks about whether to discuss this or not this morning. Because there is nothing that could be further from my heart than trivialising something really significant and in some cases really sad and really tragic. I'm not trying to do that this morning, but I do think that within this uh, human story there is something spiritual for us to grasp. And I think it's worth it. So know that I'm not trying to trivialize anything here. When um, a parent, an earthly parent, so we've been talking about kind of spiritual adoption, but when an earthly parent adopts a child, often the life story that has led up to that moment for that child has not been good. Um, many children at the point where they're adopted have seen things that they shouldn't have seen. Many of them have found that the people that they should most have been able to trust and rely upon have shown themselves themselves not to be trustworthy, not to be reliable, or in some cases worse. And those circumstances are tragic and deeply sad, and they can have a number of consequences. I'm going to talk just about a small number of those consequences this morning. One thing is that adopted children, having been through those experiences, can sometimes struggle to recognise their adoptive parents as as trustworthy and reliable parents. They haven't yet had a chance to form that kind of biological, emotional, physical uh, relationship with, with those parents, um, and that can have a number of consequences. Firstly, um, sometimes they can go, when they need comfort, they'll find themselves going to near enough any adult who's around. They have a, a parent now who is entirely trustworthy, but they've learned that no single person can be properly relied upon, and so they're cast the net wide. Sometimes um, children in this sort of circumstance can find that they they don't really trust anybody. And so when they need help, when they find themselves struggling, they become ruthlessly independent. I'm going to do this on my own. I can't trust anybody. Sometimes they've learned that because adults can't really be trusted, they've learned that they have to cover up who they really are. They've learned that they have to pretend to be something that actually they're not. Now, the sad thing is that these children now find themselves in a family where they have parents who love them entirely and they are entirely trustworthy. And they can be trusted and they can be themselves and they should come to their parents with needs. But that takes a while to develop. I think you can probably see where I'm going with this. We can be like that in our relationship with Father God, can't we? Although we have a father who is perfect, more than any earthly father, he is perfect. He has everything we need. He is the only one who can truly meet the needs of your soul. He is the only one who can truly satisfy you. He is the only one with limitless resources. He is the only one who, who will always, always be delighted when you come to him. And yet so often it's easy for us when we need something to go to other places, to habits, to pastimes, to people, to people relationships, substances, you name it, there'll be a Christian at some point in history who has gone to that before they've gone to God. Sometimes situations come up in our lives that we need to take to the Father, but before we do that, we try and do it ourselves. I need to get this sorted out. I've got this. I can do it. If I can just muster up enough in me, then I can, then I can do this, because I'm not sure I can totally trust God on this. And sometimes we come to him And we're a little bit worried about what the real us looks like. And so we come into his presence trying to hide who we really are. We're not sure we can totally trust God with who we really are. And so we put on our Sunday best and we come into his presence and pretend like everything's okay. And then when we leave again, we know that it's not. The sadness is that God is the only trustworthy parent, he is the perfect father. Now, there can be a number of reasons for why I think we behave like this, why we feel like this, why this is the first place our hearts go to. I guess maybe things from our past, trauma, pain, things that we didn't understand about the way God responded in the past, unanswered prayers, that kind of thing. But it can lead us to the impression that God cannot fully be trusted as Father. But that isn't true. It isn't true. So how do we overcome it? How do I teach my little heart that it is now a child of Almighty God, that it is, a, it is a son of the King? How do I teach myself and train my soul to trust him, to know him as father so that he's the first place I go? So that I don't try and do things on my own, like a six-year-old trying to run away from home with their little bag pack full of cuddly toys, but instead that I go to him, the one who has limitless resources and the one who is delighted to see me. How do I teach myself that? Well, this is a big question. Um, And I've actually got the answer written down up here. So if you're somebody who takes notes in sermons, this is a time to get your pencil out uh, and get writing, okay? Because here is the answer. Ready? How do we teach ourselves to trust God as Father and to know him as Father? The answer is we don't. We can't. It's not our job. You are not capable of doing that and nor am I. Here's the thing. When adopted parents take children into their homes, they don't sit around passively waiting for their children to love them and and learn to trust them. Having made all of the first steps, having been through the vetting process, having spent hours in meetings with social workers, having done all of the work to prepare their home and to prepare their family to take children into their homes, theirs is still the responsibility. The onus is still on them. They're still the ones you have to make the first move to love when behaviour is unlovable to create a stable, secure environment in which confidence and love and trust can grow day by day, maybe, month by month, possibly, year by year, more likely, patiently. And it's like that with us and God. Listen to these beautiful, beautiful words from Romans. Romans 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, we don't do it. We're not the ones who train our hearts that God is a reliable father. The spirit does that. God sends his spirit into our hearts to partner with our souls to help us to recognize he is father. I am his child and I am welcome in his house. And when I need something, he's the first place I should be going because he's reliable. He's the only one who can meet my needs. We're gonna do that this morning. In fact, we're gonna do that in just a few minutes. We're gonna allow our spirits to join with Holy Spirit as we welcome him to help us to recognize that Father God truly is our Father. I believe we're gonna have something of God's love revealed to us this morning as we do this. The truth is this, that in the beginning was the word, Jesus, and the word was with God and the word was God. And that word became flesh to make his dwelling among us and to allow us to see his glory. The light of the world that shines in the darkness to provide a way for us that light piercing through the impenetrable darkness of a people walking lost and alone in need of a father. He provided a way for us so that by believing in him, we could be called children of God. And that's the heart of Christmas. That's what this is about. Let's pray together, shall we? Jesus, word of God, the light of the world, The one who was there before there was anything. Jesus, we worship you. Yeah, we come to your feet, King Jesus. We come to the stable, to the manger, and we worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you've given us the right to become your children. Thank you that we can walk into your presence, that you are delighted to see us. If earlier when I was asking the question about whether you believe, if you know that you don't, if you know that you're living on your own, and if you felt through this morning's message that the call of the Father, come home, come home, Just close your eyes and see in your mind's eye the Father stands with arms outstretched, waiting to welcome you back. He's delighted by the sight of you. Will you turn? Will you turn and run back to him? And if you know Jesus, you've been adopted into his family, then then let's just invite Holy Spirit now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and minister to our hearts, every heart in this room, from the youngest to the oldest? Would you come and speak to us? Would you come and show us? Show us what it means. Join with our hearts to help us to cry, Abba, Father to help us to recognize that we have been made children, sons and daughters of God.